If you've forgotten your mythology, Aphrodite, more widely known as Venus, was the hot mama of goddesses. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Well, hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, we took a week off from our podcasting duties. Um, We had many, many other things keeping us away from this. And of course, podcasting takes a lot of time and we can't just come up with one every single week. And it's been almost a year, hasn't it, since we started? So I think we deserve a week off. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, things happen when you take a week off. Uh, crazy things happen. My Twitter feed blew up, as they say, over this pronouncement by Prince Charles. Have you heard about this? I hadn't heard about it before you mentioned it. Well, he called Twitter a mortal threat <laughs> to <laughs> to written. Uh, the well-constructed sentence is under mortal threat, according to Prince Charles. And uh, he was giving a speech, 500 years of the Royal Mail. It was the anniversary, and he was delivering a speech and uh, promoting himself as a great fan of letter writing and delivering letters by mail. And um, uh, he made that pronouncement that the well-constructed sentence is under mortal threat by Twitter. And um, I just thought it was an interesting comment. Uh, I'll just say what I say, what I think about Twitter, and you can chime in when you feel like it. But I think what he's missing here is that uh, Twitter is a form. There are 140 characters. It is a challenge to, if you've ever tried to write a tweet, it's a big challenge to try to get everything you want to say into those 140 characters. Um, this may sound crass to some people, but uh, you may liken it to a poetic form like haiku, or, uh, of course, Shakespeare always wrote an iambic pentameter. And I think that when you are writing in these forms, you can stumble upon expressions and phrases that you put things in unique ways that you may not have thought of going into it. So uh, you know, I think he's kind of missing the point here. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that there was a, such a strong visceral reaction out in the what we call the Twitterverse, <laughs> which is a neologism created by the phenomenon of Twitter. So Twitter is something that's adding to the language in some ways. I I think he he makes a decent point that there is a lot of silliness and there's a lot of ways that Twitter gets used that's not necessarily uh, the most high-minded. But uh, I think it's just another form that's out there that people write in and... uh, you kind of have to take it or leave it and look at it intelligently. And it's not destroying other kinds of writing. <laughs> you know, no, no, that's right. Yeah, It's not out there putting other forms of writing out of business. Yeah, look at old telegrams from, say, the late 19th century in which people tried to minimize the number of characters they had to pay for. <laughs> exactly. They didn't go in for elegantly constructed sentences either. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, there's a long tradition of young people trying to communicate in ways that 
um, are a little under the radar or hidden from from parents or older people. Pig Latin being a, a famous example. <laughs> I remember some friends and I in seventh grade invented a way of torturing words around to make it our own little private language. And uh, it's not a, a phenomenon that's endangering the English language, it's, but it it's certainly uh, an example of what happens when you have very little space and you want to communicate with people in a way that kind of excludes people who aren't in on the kind of discourse that you're engaged in. Mm, yeah, it certainly has that going on. But uh, as long as we're out trashing Prince Charles, I just want to point out the direct quote was, I can only say how strongly I feel that the logical ordering of thoughts on paper in grammatically correct prose is in fact important at the end of the day. Hmm. At the end of the day, I thought just uh, was a huge uh, red flag for me. Dropping cliches into your supposed, you know, high-minded speech. He needs to be more careful about how he's delivering this message if he wants to sound so much better than all of those people out there ruining the language on Twitter. Sounds like he's suggesting you should not say sweet dreams to your kids, but something like, I hope sincerely that you have a restful night. <laughs> uh, I notice at the start of his speech, the first sentence of his speech is, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to say, joining you here this afternoon, it has given my wife and I uh, a particular pride. <laughs> so oh does he want me to tell him that it has to be my wife and me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, plus he's got uh, gathering here. It has given me. There's there's something wrong with the construction of that sentence. Uh, yeah, there is. So if it's a prepared written speech... Um, he missed the mark on that. Right in the first line, he's got two problems with his opening sentence. You know, there's a fair chance that he may never get to be king, <laughs> given his <laughs> mother's lifespan. Uh, that's true. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I think it makes him especially peevish. <laughs> Maybe. He tries to get the opportunity to pronounce on things what he can. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I think that's enough. Prince Charles bashing for this morning. I don't normally think at all about Prince Charles, but I do spend a fair amount of time uh, thinking about where we're at as the seasons move along. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, you promised me, you promised all of us that you would be talking about the word cool. We had a podcast on the word swell, and the title of the podcast was Swell and Other Fabulous Words. That was episode 48, uh, if people want to go back and listen to that. But uh, in that episode, you promised that you were going to talk about the word cool, and then you came upon the word hot, also uh, having a similar kind of interesting history. And I think we should take these in order, because here at the change of the seasons, we are moving from hot to cool, and I would like to just start with the word hot. I think you have some things to say about that. So today's... Uh Hot topic is hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next time we'll do cool. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I wanted to do with hot was to look up some synonyms in a thesaurus. I just used the one on my computer, the Apple Dictionary. 
and it had it broken down by category, and there's an awful lot of synonyms, but I just thought the two of them that are most common that we use, uh, the first one was of food, piping hot, sizzling, steaming, roasting, boiling, searing, scorching, scalding, burning, red hot, and uh, of course there's hot dog, and the old... uh, baseball stadium cry get your red hots here Mm -hmm. now it's interesting that a lot of those food things like sizzling steaming searing scorching and so on are also applied to the weather very often in a metaphorical sense but they have a separate listing for weather very warm balmy summery Tropical, scorching, broiling, searing, blistering, sweltering, torrid, sultry, humid, muggy, close, boiling, baking, and roasting. So again, the food things pop up of the weather, too. Uh, Hot is a very old word. It it turns up in Anglo-Saxon and some of the earliest texts we have. It has Germanic origins, like most Anglo-Saxon words. And uh, there are a lot of expressions that uh, are used that include the word hot that are sayings of one kind or another, like strike while the iron is hot. If you're uh, making a horseshoe or something else in a forge, uh, the iron is only malleable while it's still nice and hot and somewhat softened. And it means, of course, to do it when it's useful, you know, take action while it counts, don't put it off. There's also uh, an association of hot with hot springs, uh, which most people really enjoy. I don't particularly like to soak in hot water, but um, a lot of people do. And hot mineral springs in particular have a very long tradition going back at least to the ancient Romans who were really big on this sort of thing. Then I was thinking of hot dish. Uh, which is an old American sort of Middle Western colloquialism for a casserole. And uh, it turns up all the time on a Prairie Home Companion uh, where Garrison Keeler used to talk about bringing a hot dish to the church supper. Uh, he's retired now. He's got a new host for Prairie Home Companion, but uh, the imagery is still very much around. I don't know if people say hot dish anymore. That seemed like a rather old-fashioned term. I was thinking of the fact, well, what about clothing? We don't usually speak about hot clothing unless we mean sexy clothing. That's a really hot dress. Um, Warm clothing would probably be the opposite of hot clothing in that case. Mm. Unless it's just, you know, your socks that make you hot. Of course, there are hot pockets, but that's something you eat rather than something you wear. Now, in traditional uh, medicine, which had the humor theory of uh, the body, which were four different humors and the balance of the humors in your body is what caused you to feel well or ill. There was an idea of being choleric. And uh, we still use occasionally the word choleric to mean angry, to have yellow bile. And it was hot and dry. Melancholy, on the other hand, uh, was caused by black bile, which was cold and dry and Of course, today we pretty much think of all the things in the main part of your body as being more or less the same temperature, but uh, they had this theory about these cold and hot points in the body. By the late Middle Ages, uh, people began to describe that burning sensation that pepper gives when it's on your tongue as hot. 
So that's also extremely common. If you say, I don't like hot food, you probably mean you don't like spicy food rather than food that's hot off the stove. Mm-hmm. Of course, hot sauce has become immensely popular recently. Some stores have vast, and restaurants as well, have vast collections of different kinds of hot sauce. And the king of hot sauces these days is sriracha, which has gotten an immense following. Um, there was an interesting story about a factory where they made it, I think, in California, where the neighbors complained that their hot spice odors were escaping into the air around the factory and making the air unpleasant to breathe. I think there was a lawsuit involved. Yes, I remember that, yeah. When I was thinking about hot water, of course, being in hot water is to be in trouble. But um, as I said, a lot of people like being in hot water. And that reminded me of an old recording I had when I was a kid of A.A. Milne reading his poems. My wife grew up very attached to... Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh, the stories. And I somehow just didn't encounter those until much later. So my introduction to Milne was these poems. And one of them is called Vespers. It's a very sentimental poem. And it's uh, got about six or seven verses, but it's just the two that I wanted to read today. And it's it's meant to be a, a sort of warm, joking uh, parody of a, a little boy who's trying to do what he's supposed to do, say his prayers, but keeps getting distracted by thoughts of other things that aren't really the business at hand. So it starts, little boy kneels at the foot of the bed, droops on the little hand's little gold head. Hush, hush, whisper who dares. Christopher Robin is saying his prayers. God bless mummy. I know that's right. Wasn't it fun in the bath tonight? The cold so cold and the hot so hot. Oh, God bless Daddy. I quite forgot. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of hot water. <laughs> right. Yeah. Christopher Robin enjoys his baths, apparently. And um, the word hot-tempered and associating hotness with anger, again, goes way back in time. Um, heated words are exchanged sometimes when people get angry and yell at each other. People who get Angry easily are called hot-blooded, although that's sometimes also got an erotic connotation. Uh, and impatience is also associated with hotness, especially in earlier English. Uh, Hotspur, uh, the Henry Percy, that was his nickname, Hotspur, mm-hmm. and he's made famous in Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth, Part One. And it was not his anger that made him called Hotspur, but his eagerness for the battle to begin. He always wanted to get out there and get fighting. And so um, he had a hot spur mm-hmm. to his horse. In modern times, there's uh, hot to trot, which is a saying that comes from horse racing, of course, of a horse that is eager to get going, to run. And so it also means eager. Yeah, And hot also on the angry side, you get hot under the collar and uh, hot-tempered. Later, uh, hot to trot comes to mean sexually eager, too. And over and over again, we'll find that wherever possible in English, an expression that can have some kind of a sexual meaning usually takes it on it somewhere or other. Uh, an older expression, I don't think that's so common anymore, is using it as a threat. I'll make it hot for you. Uh, which is a threat to to get you in real trouble, if not to injure you seriously or perhaps even kill you. Sounds like something from a noir story where, yeah. you know, oh, it's a, I can't go to that area. It's too hot. 
Right. I mean, there's a lot of heat. There's a lot of cops. Just things are going to get too perilous if I head over there. In fact, there's a lot of criminal context that uh, has hotness in it. Stolen goods are hot. Yeah. And uh, originally, supposedly because they're difficult to dispose of for cool cash. Ah, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. Uh, a bad check was called hot. It was a hot check for a while. I don't think that one's used anymore. The detective can be hot on the trail of someone who's hot-footing it away from the scene of the crime. And as he does so, a warm scent becomes a hot one. And the cops can be in hot pursuit of a criminal. And you hear about hot pursuit on the freeway sometimes. Does that have anything to do with why they're called the heat? Ah, good point. And well, <laughs> who knows? Cops can make it hot for you. Yeah. So something that succeeds quickly after something else, we say is hot on the heels of. And that would be racing, chasing after something. The electric chair, which uh, has pretty much gone out of use in this country, uh, still in a few states, I guess, but it was often referred to as a hot chair. And hotness was associated, still is associated with electrical current. Uh, a lot of times any uh, circuit can be hot if it's on and conducting electricity. Uh, to be electrically charged in any way can mean hot. On cameras, for instance, on the top of uh, uh, more sophisticated cameras that don't have their own built-in flash, there's a, often a hot shoe, which is uh, just a little plate to which you can attach a flash or other attachment that's powered by the battery on the camera. And then to be in the hot seat is to be in a very uncomfortable, stressful position. Hot seat, not quite as bad as a hot chair. Then there's the meaning of uh, popular, sensational, exciting. This is a hot story, a hot movie this weekend. Or hot fashions in Paris. Or Well, we've just, as we speak, it's uh, Fashion Week in New York. So hot fashions being shown there. A new publication is hot off the press. And you hope it becomes a hot seller. Now, Hot jazz turns up surprisingly early. The first citation in the OED is 1918, right around the birth of jazz. And it is used often in early days to contrast with the more quiet types of music, especially starting in the 30s with swing, which was thought to be not as frantic and exciting as the hot jazz. But in the 50s, cool jazz emerges, and so you have hot jazz versus cool jazz. I'll talk about cool jazz more in the next episode when we get around to cool. There's a negative expression that is used a lot, uh, not so hot, meaning mediocre. I don't feel so hot. Yeah, so it can be not feeling well, but uh, that production was not so hot. <laughs> it was not so good. So hot can be goodness in that case. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you feel well, you would never say, I feel hot. <laughs> well, unless you had a high temperature. Well, yes. If somebody said, how do you feel? Well, not so hot, meaning I don't feel well. Right. Uh, on the other hand, if somebody says, how do you feel? I feel hot. Yeah. That means you don't feel well either. Yeah, right. So um, something that's selling really well can sell like hotcakes, <laughs> and those are pancakes, I think. 
I don't know why that got selected as something particularly popular. They're not insanely popular right now, but um, then there's the uh, the hotshot, a guy who thinks he's hot stuff, somebody who's outstanding or thinks he's outstanding, conceited about his abilities. Uh, and of course, there's the childhood game where you pick out something and, and challenge somebody else to identify it and then say, no, you're cold, oh, you're getting warm, you're warmer, hot, just before you found it. So we had mentioned hot dog as the the wiener earlier. Yeah, it's a verb. To hot dog is to show off, often in a dangerous way. And a person that enjoys showing off and doing stunts like that is a hot dog. People who ride bicycles or, or drive cars in dangerous, show-offy ways are hot doggy. In England, in particular, I've heard that so much in this country, there's often a reference to the need for three hots a day. And that means three hot meals a day. Doesn't include uh, cold cereal in the morning, I guess. <laughs> They're talking about, you know, getting the bare minimum, having a decent uh, level of um, income. You get three hots a day. For some reason, the British like to eat fried tomatoes in the morning. I've never quite gotten that. Fried tomatoes and really disgusting banger sausages. And then hot foot. Now, this is an old prank that you don't hear about much anymore. It used to feature very frequently in cartoons. And it requires the victim to be barefooted and asleep at the time. So that's not something that a lot of people do out in public these days, except maybe at the beach. And people don't carry matches around nearly as much as they used to because it's less smoking. But to give somebody a hot foot was to uh, put a match, a lighted match, between the toes of somebody. And then as it burned down, it would make them very hot. You can see this in old uh, comedies. But the word too hot foot can also mean to hurry, to have feet that act like they're hot and going somewhere quickly. Then we have the hotline, which is a telephone helpline, and there are lots of different kinds of hotline. The most common one, I think, is probably the suicide hotline, where people who are feeling despondent can call up and uh, hopefully get some help overcoming their impulse to kill themselves. Uh, hot is implied to be skilled in the negative expression, not so hot at doing something. Um, you know, I tried to construct a bench in seventh grade in woodshop, and I wasn't so hot at woodwork. I still have the bench. I sit on it to put my socks on every morning, but uh, reminded how primitive it is. <laughs> yeah, and once again, like not feeling so hot. If you were really good at something, you wouldn't say... I'm hot at it. <laughs> but if you're not good at it, you're not so hot at it. All right. And if you have a string of successes, it could be a hot streak. Mm -hmm. Now, a hot potato is a topic nobody really wants to discuss. So it's like tossing around a potato. It, it's tossed to you and you uh, toss it to somebody else and get rid of it. So it's too hot to handle. It's another expression. But a really dangerous topic that can cause a lot of trouble is a hot button issue. So that's one that triggers a lot of uh, powerful feelings in, in opposition to something or other. And I don't think that 
originates with the red button, the, the nuclear launch button, which is not really a button, but uh, it gets associated with that. Then there are hot rods. I've seen a few of these around Bainbridge Island recently driving on the roads. And these would be old model cars, usually fairly inexpensive ones, uh, the kind known as jalopies, which were souped up with high-powered engines and tricked out with special chrome and, and all kinds of things. I mean, in the 20s, they might have a raccoon tail flying from the antenna, <laughs> and that was a hot rod. Uh, to be in hot water, I mentioned earlier, is to be in trouble. But uh, if you're blowing hot and cold about something, that means you keep changing your attitude. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Nah, I don't think so much. You know, going back and forth, hot and cold. It's waxing and waning enthusiasm. And that can also be uh, expressed through the saying it's running hot and cold. Then there's full of hot air. In this electoral season, we hear a lot of allusions to people being full of hot air, and people go to all kinds of lengths to make jokes indirectly about the inflation aspects of hot air. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, there's a strong tendency for hotness to become sexual, and uh, this is not something new by any means. It goes back to around 1300. That's where the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, has the first example. And uh, one of the early examples is in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, uh, where he introduces the tales by describing the main characteristics of each of the pilgrims. And of the summoner, he says, hot he was and lettrous as a sparrow. Mm. That would be my uh, namesake, the summoner. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the origin of my name. The animals, when they go into estrus, are said to be in heat, um, sometimes on heat in Britain. And that gets extended to humans who are getting excited to say that they're in heat. Hot is probably the most common current synonym for sexy. She's really hot. That dress is hot. You look hot. It's uh, it's more common, I think, to say hot than sexy now. Mm -hmm. And people have the hots for each other. Going at something hot and heavy really originally meant to be enthusiastic and excited but it's largely changed into passionate. You have a hot and heavy romance. Uh, there used to be an expression, a hot date. I think that's probably gone by and by. That's been replaced by things like booty call. Mm. But um, a date in which you fully expected to have sex, and that was the main goal. It was called a hot date. Mm -hmm. And uh, the early expression, hot and bothered, to be uh, sort of confused and angry and upset, turned into uh, an erotic one as well. So um, there's an old expression of the, the hot mamas. The hot mama was an uh, expression from the 20s, especially uh, about women who were particularly um, sexy. And the first citation of it being applied to an attractive woman in the Oxford English Dictionary is a quotation from the New Republic in 1926. If you've forgotten your mythology, Aphrodite, more widely known as Venus, was the hot mama of goddesses. Mm. Very learned illusion. Yeah. So originally it was only women that were described as hot, but you now see women not infrequently using it to describe men that they find attractive as hot. So both guys and women can be hotties. And I thought I'd finish with hot lips 
Um, Hot Lips Houlihan was a character in MASH and the series um, and in the movie. He's played by Sally Kellerman in the movie and by Loretta Swit in the TV series. And she was this sexy nurse that uh, was pretty much a target of fun. And as the uh, series went on, they they tried to humanize her a little more and give her a little more complexity because she was pretty much just a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought we put up a couple of links to songs that have hot in them from movies that are entertaining. And one is uh, Cole Porter's song, Too Darn Hot, from Kiss Me Kate. Oh, yeah with Ann Miller singing and dancing. And it's uh, one of these ambivalent things in which it's literally saying, you know, you may want some loving, but it's just too hot. You can't do that. But the way she sings and gestures and the expression tells you that's really, um, it's getting hot as a metaphor for it's getting too exciting. Now, when Ann Miller sings it, she has the line, according to the latest report, every average man you know much prefers his lovey-dovey to court when the temperature is low. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she really believes that. Now, when Ella Fitzgerald sings it, the line is, according to the Kinsey report, which is a little more explicit. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Now, I don't know which one Cole Porter would have started with, but. Yeah, well, he was known for altering his lyrics from time to time. Maybe he wrote both of them. But um, the Ann Miller one is just fun to watch because she does. She's a terrific dancer, of course. And the other one is Julie Andrews singing Le Jazz Hot from Victor Victoria. I think a lot of people think of Julie Andrews as uh, The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music or as um, Mary Poppins. But uh, she often played pretty sexy roles so i thought this is a nice performance plus it's a great voice of course so that's it for hot yeah well that's a lot of uh heavy lifting for three little letters and one syllable and it just goes to show how the language works metaphorically really because uh the word literally begins with a sensation feeling heat and it lets the imagination go to all other areas, all kinds of other areas where you can feel the heat metaphorically, I guess. And it's interesting how many of those metaphors started very early. Right. You know, it's not like it's just some modern phenomenon that people have begun to use hot in a non-literal sense. Well, uh, as the season changed from hot to cool, I want to talk about cool next time. Okay. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you, Paul. So long, Tom. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.